Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Today, we're talking with Megan Neal, who is co-executive director at the Trans-Caucasian Trail Association, also known as the TCTA. Their mission is to develop the Trans-Caucasian Trail, also known as the TCT. This is an epic 1,800-kilometer thru-hike that goes through Armenia, Georgia, and Azerbaijan. Hi, Megan. Hey, Richard. So happy to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because uh, I hadn't heard of this until about a month ago and then reading about it, it seems super, super interesting. Can you tell us a little bit, just, you know, big picture, what is the Trans-Caucasian Trail? Sure. Well, delighted to hear that because that's one of the reasons we are so excited about building and promoting this trail is the fact that a lot of people haven't heard much about the Caucasus region, uh, which is, you know, a tiny geographical area sandwiched between Russia and Iran, but contains some of the most like spectacular biodiversity and landscape diversity, as well as cultural diversity that you have ever seen compressed into a tiny area. So what we've been doing is trying to develop what will ultimately become two interlinking, uh, roughly 1,500 kilometer long hiking trails, connecting dozens of protected areas and spectacular landscapes and cultural sites in all three countries of the South Caucasus. So that's Georgia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan. So I've heard a lot about how great the hiking is in Georgia. I don't know much about Armenia and Azerbaijan. Can you maybe just talk a little bit about, well, maybe talk about all three regions because even, you know, my knowledge about Georgia, I know a lot of people uh, don't even know there's a country called Georgia. They think it's just a state in the U.S. Yep, gets confusing all the time. Um, <laughs> Georgia is spectacular and there's a few sections of it that have very justifiably become more well-known up in the higher mountains. And we've helped develop some of these trails that have now become more popular. These are really amazing areas where you are hiking, you know, up to high mountain passes, you're staring at glaciated peaks, and you're basically stopping in medieval villages with these really distinctive uh, defense towers all along the way. So it makes for a really fascinating cultural and landscape experience. But there's also so much in Georgia that you cross from those areas and within a few days, you're in an entirely different landscape. The southern region of Georgia is this kind of wide open, beautiful high altitude plateau area uh, with volcanoes and huge alpine lakes. You've got in the middle of the country, these beautiful dense old forests. And then over towards the Black Sea, you've got this kind of really wonderful subtropical, uh, humid, lower mountainous landscape that is just absolutely bursting with vibrancy. So all of that into a really tiny area. And then you cross into Armenia heading south. And we have about a 900 kilometer route through Armenia now that has been fully mapped out and tested. And not all of it is a finished developed trail yet. Parts of it are still an off trail route, um, but it is hikeable. And I know because I had the great privilege of getting to hike the whole thing in one go myself last summer. So basically like field test and make sure like, can we share this with people? Is it ready? Over 40 days, you know, we crossed from these kind of high altitude wetlands into these really dramatic, you know, gushing river canyons, into these beautiful rolling green hills with cliffs jutting out, forests, and then you go into this uh, amazing high altitude kind of volcanic area called the Gigam Range in central Armenia. 
which is just totally open terrain, completely barren. Uh, the only you know, settlements you see are occasional nomad camps where people uh, move up for the summer. Then further south, you get into these incredible desert landscapes. You've got these bright red cliffs with these monasteries tucked inside of them. Uh, you've got like this really amazing desert scrub down towards the southern border uh, with Iran. And again, like <laughs> one of the things we love about hiking is it's slow travel, right? You get to move through these landscapes slowly on foot and kind of take them all in as they unfold at a very natural human pace. But the thing about the Caucasus is it can still feel jarring when you're moving on foot. The diversity is that intense and the changes are that rapid that you're walking into a canyon and you're like, yesterday I was in rolling green hills. How am I here? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's hiking in Armenia for you. And then Azerbaijan, what's it like hiking in Azerbaijan? So I actually haven't been hiking in Azerbaijan myself yet. Uh, we only started working there this past year. We have an amazing project manager who was born in Azerbaijan, grew up in the U.S., worked on trail crews in the U.S., and then ended up moving back to Baku. And she's been helping us scout new routes over there and putting some of these places on the map. Again, like the defining characteristic of the region is just this diversity. We've got two routes on the website now that are open for hikers, uh, and we're hoping we'll see the first hikers out there testing them next summer. One is kind of a lowland route through these really beautiful lush forests. And the other is a higher altitude route that goes through like beautiful canyons and some of the higher peak areas. Uh, and it's this kind of higher sparse landscape that's really dramatic. And within those, you end up going through all of these villages that have really distinct uh, ethno-linguistic groups. And oftentimes because you know, these villages were so isolated for a long time, even going from one village 20 kilometers to the next village, you see a language change. It's pretty remarkable. Trekking here in North America, it's very similar. If you go to Europe, yeah, you can go between countries, but nothing like, like what you're describing. I'm really interested. So it seems like there's some parts that are really remote. You know, how much food or how many days food do you have to carry through some of these areas? Or are there uh, little villages or places you can resupply? It really depends. I, there are a lot of areas here that are remote, but when I think of remoteness in the context of the Caucasus, it's actually very different from remoteness in the U.S., which is where I grew up, as I'm sure you can tell by the accents. In the U.S., you know, you have these huge national parks with, you know, no human settlements in them anymore, unfortunately. But here, you've got these villages all over in some really remote locations. And one thing that the TCT has been doing, actually, you know, people have been moving between these villages for millennia. Uh, and oftentimes there's these old paths that people have used to get between village to village. Sometimes those are in decent enough condition that when we find them with the help of, you know, a local village resident or a shepherd, we're actually trying to rehabilitate some of these old paths and restore some of the traditional connections that people have used. But in a practical sense for a hiker, what that means is that there are very few sections where you would go from really more than, I would say, max five days uh, without being able to resupply or find a guest house uh, or have, you know, be able to hitch a ride back out to a bigger town. That's not too bad. Now, I'm really interested about this idea of like building a through hike. And you kind of talked about it there. You mentioned in Azerbaijan, you're looking like, what's the process when this, you know, when the TCTA was started? What, like, what's the process to build uh, and develop a through hike? Yeah, well... <laughs> The great thing about the TCT and how it came into existence was that no one had any idea how much work this was going to be when they started the project. 
So I wasn't part of the original founding team. I came on a few years later, but my colleagues, Paul and Tom, and the other folks who uh, got the whole project started were really inspired by the big trails that exist in the US and in Europe and a few other parts of the world and found themselves daydreaming about what it would be like to create a similar trail across the Caucasus, knowing all of this incredible diversity that's out there. So it started a few ways. Paul, who was a former Peace Corps volunteer in Georgia who had moved back, uh, and had the idea to create the TCT, you know, got some other folks together, raised a bit of money, and basically spent the first summer of 2015 on a scouting mission, uh, trying to find old trails around Georgia and thinking about ways to connect them together. Similarly, Tom, who was a British explorer who had settled down in Armenia, decided, hey, it would be really cool for me to try to hike the length of Armenia. I think I'll just go try to do that. And what both of these guys found at the exact same time was that this infrastructure does not exist. It just doesn't. So <laughs> they eventually found each other and began the process of like creating this international project that would eventually span Georgia, Armenia, and Azerbaijan, inspired by the same type of vision. There's a lot of work that goes into it. So in a very practical sense, first there's the idea of like general trail design. So figuring out what regions do you want the, the route to go through? Um, what are the kind of major spots that you want to make sure you hit along the way? What are the things that you really want people to be able to experience? And how can you design a great route that facilitates all of those in a natural way? Then there's the going out and scouting, which sounds really glamorous, but is actually often just a lot of time bashing through really thick underbrush <laughs> and kind of wondering what you've gotten yourself into trying to figure out what's already there. You know, you, you have these often amazing old shepherd trails that you find every once in a while. There's lots of old uh, kind of four by four tracks built during the Soviet times, which often provide a way to get from place to place, but really aren't ideal because they're often really rutted out and just not that nice. So, you know, we try to find more of these ancient paths. And in some cases, going into a forested area or an area of open terrain where there's no trail and mapping out what would actually be the best route to take here. And that's where some of the more technical trail design skills come in. And then there's the matter of like assembling a trail crew and getting people to work on it and build it and teaching these skills. And one of the things that we found very early on was that even though, you know, you, like we have, there's a national park system in all of these countries, uh, but there wasn't the same kind of like training uh, around these very specific trail building skills in like that people were doing here. So when they wanted to hire trail builders, there weren't any trail builders to hire. So what they had to do was start training them. So I have a few of my colleagues here in Georgia and there's some in Armenia as well, who like Paul and Tom and our organization sent to the US to train and learn some of these skills. They brought the, back those skills and have since been training others. So they're leading crews of volunteers uh, we've now started local conservation corps programs in both Georgia and Armenia to train up local young people in how to build and maintain trails, as well as some of the like kind of other outdoor skills that go along with that, how to camp, how to cook outside, how to minimize your impact, and some of the like really fun soft skills that go along with that too, risk management, first aid, leadership developments, um, all that great outdoor ed stuff. So that's kind of how we've been building up like the local workforce to build and develop these trails. And then <laughs> once you've actually built the trail, you need to maintain it, right? Any trail is that's a long distance trail is gonna be a really long process of doing that. So 
This is really a multi-year thing. Um, that's why we've been releasing the trail in stages. You know, we're trying to get sections that are up to a high enough standard that people can come and hike and have a good time. Then, you know, we're trying to showcase what the caucuses have to offer hikers as well. So a lot of what I do is uh, writing up information on the trail, promoting it to an international audience, telling people about why they should come hike here and the types of things they can experience and learn about. So how does it work? Like I know here in Canada, uh, we have um, a couple long trails. One goes all the way across Canada. One's um, the Great Divide Trail. And just trying to get access, you know, the Great Divide Trail goes through national and provincial parks, so it's pretty easy. But trying to get like approval to build a trail on such a long trail as the TCT like, do you go over private land? Is is just getting access to the land really difficult? Or is it like the UK where there's kind of this right to roam where you can kind of put a trail, you know, walking path anywhere? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's probably a little more similar to the latter. There's a lot of land, there's some land that's formally protected. And so in those cases, we're developing relationships with the local protected areas and working with them, you know, to incorporate the trail into those plans. Uh, or to use trails that they've already built as part of the TCT. Outside of that, there's a lot of like municipal lands and kind of general farming lands. And it hasn't been so much of an issue, but that's something that because tourism is so new, people have generally been very welcoming of it, you know, and encouraging of like, you know, yes, please build a trail here. Like we want people to come. We want people to see our village. We want to, you know, be able to build a guest house and to host visitors and all of these things. Um, I think as it gets more popular, we're going to eventually start bumping into some of those inevitable lands access issues that come with just a lot more foot traffic. We haven't had those issues yet, but they will happen. Um, so what we're trying to do now is do a lot more community outreach which we've been doing from the start, you know, going in and talking to people about what we're trying to do, what we think it might mean for them, uh, understanding any issues that might come up. And yeah, trying to like kind of foster an understanding of, you know, what does tourism development mean? And why do we think promoting hiking is a good way to do that? Trying to get people on board earlier so that when these issues, you know, flare up, if someone, for example, uh, decides to put up a sign saying like, you have to pay a fee to cross my farm, <laughs> you know, we'll have those relationships already, you know, built up to a certain degrees so that mitigating them will be less of a challenge. I'm really interested in, in you know, the TCT as kind of like a, a development activity to support these, you know, remote communities that uh, probably struggle to find, you know, uh, steady sources of income. Is that one of the goals of developing this is, is just to bring uh, a new source of economic prosperity into these, these regions? Yeah, definitely. Um, and for me, it's a big personal motivator. Uh, before I joined the TCT, I was actually working in development economics. I was really interested in tourism specifically and all of the pros and cons of it and how can it be done well when it's such a loaded thing to bring people into communities um, and some of the inevitable tensions that arise there. But one major thing that's happening in a lot of these villages is that people are just leaving. You know, there aren't job opportunities. Uh, people are moving to the cities. They're becoming taxi drivers or trying to get a more steady job somewhere. And, you know, you definitely can't blame them for that. And if they want to do that, that's great. But there's a lot of people who want to stay. They just need more opportunities. And the cool thing about something like a trail is that 
you know, when you're talking about long distance trails, it puts destinations on the map that people otherwise wouldn't even think about. And suddenly, you know, a village that's out in the middle of nowhere that, you know, wouldn't compete with some of the major destinations, but maybe, you know, has a really lovely, you know, a family has a really lovely garden to host campers in, or like they've got a really great apple orchard or some of these small things that like, you know, no one comes to Georgia to experience that in particular, yet it will be the story that they will tell their family when they get back about this hospitality they encountered and the people they met and these, you know, small moments. We want to try to promote that. But tourism, you know, it's a pretty powerful industry and it does generate a lot of opportunities. The other thing is that, especially in a place like Georgia, tourism, we can see it so clearly, like it's gonna grow whether we do something about it or not. So I see the trail as a way to try to nudge that in a more positive direction, in a way that's a little bit more environmentally sensitive, that encourages people to slow down, to actually talk to people, to try to understand the context that they're visiting, to take their time. And the flip side of that is that people have opportunities to make income in new ways. That's not just guest houses, it's mountain guides, it's the you know vegetable suppliers who are supplying the guest houses, it's all of you know these things that are tied to tourism. And when I joined the TCT project more full-time, at the time I'd actually been working in a research organization here in Georgia. And we were working on a project in Svaneti, this really famous region that's developed tourism a lot more. And I was reading a survey response from a guy who lived in a village that I had visited while hiking and totally independent. What he wrote in that survey was that, you know, here in my village, there really weren't any opportunities and everyone was leaving. Now the Transcaucasian Trail is running through my village and I was able to open a guest house and like my kids moved back <laughs> and, you know, things are happening. And I, that for me was the moment when I was just like, there's so much potential here if we can do it right. And I think what's, what's important is, you know, so much travel. It seems travel's changed in the last 15 years. You know, before everyone you'd get, not not me, but tourism in general, you'd get on a big bus with 60 other, you know, people. You'd drive around and see a bunch of stuff. And, you know, you're almost like a piece of luggage. You wouldn't interact and understand the local people or the food. It was really kind of sanitized version. You saw so much, you kind of saw nothing. And I think what's nice about, you know, any sort of hike, you know, if it's two weeks, one week, or in this case, you know, uh, a month and a half or two months or three months is because you're going slower, you just understand the region so much more. You have all these in incredible moments. And also it's a much more environmentally friendly way of doing things. You know, you're not driving around and burning gas. You're able to kind of just go and explore and it's more environmentally friendly. It's better for the local communities. It's also more, I think, personally rewarding as well, because you're kind of your phone's off. You're not worried. You're just waking up, getting your boots on and going and walking to, you know, whatever the next town or the next campground is. Um, so I think this is really interesting. Right now, obviously, some parts are being developed. Some parts are fully developed. Uh, I know my co-host Karen was going to come on today because she's actually thinking of going to Central Asia. And this was actually something she's like, maybe I'll do this with my daughter this summer. And so if someone was if someone was going to go and I don't think she'd want to do the, a full section. But if someone's looking to do like, you know, two or three weeks or maybe four weeks, what sections are in the best condition to you know support foreign trekkers right now? Yeah, it really depends on what you want. The great thing about where the TCT is at, is at the moment is that there is truly something for everyone. So if you want a nicely marked and maintained, 
section that is going to be absolutely spectacular and you don't have to do much navigation work and you want to stay in guest houses every night and just have this incredible hiking cultural experience, go to Svaneti in northern Georgia. I mean, it's just spectacular. And the trail infrastructure there is quite well developed. There's a very famous four-day trek from the kind of capital of the region called Mestia to a small town called Ushkuli, which is one of the highest settlements in Europe. And that takes about four days. Very famous, very beautiful. There's also a five-day trek, kind of what people typically do before that if they're doing the whole thing, that we developed over a few years between 2016 and 2017. That's where I would really recommend people check out because it is still relatively off the beaten track-ish, but the level of infrastructure is high enough that you can go and just have a very good time and not worry too much about it. The other place that I would really suggest is Southern Armenia uh, in the region called Sunik. And Sunik is the southernmost region of Armenia. It's kind of long and narrow. And we worked over a few years to develop with partners like this regional trail there. It's called the Legends Trail. It is one of like the most spectacular and diverse parts of Armenia. Again, like compressed, compressed, compressed. Like you've got these amazing desert rocks. You've got, you know, big rocky peaks. You've got these beautiful lush forests. And there's an amazing 14-day trek that you can do along all of that, all of which is in pretty good condition. It's marked. There's maps for it now that our partners, Cartizan, have been developing. And it's just like pretty ready to go. And no one is going there yet. Um, <laughs> I mean, granted, it, like it has been a pandemic. <laughs> but when I was hiking there last summer, I mean, we saw two, I think, other backpackers on there. We're walking towards them and they're like, oh, you're Tom and Megan. <laughs> like, you know, that small. <laughs> um, so I'm really encouraging people to go there and go in the next two years because you're going to have a really remarkable special experience that's going to be culturally fascinating. I mean, you pass through you know, several ancient monasteries, um, some that are, you know, really well preserved and some that are kind of tucked away in the forest and, you know, crumbling in this really beautiful way. It's great. <laughs> Did I understand earlier that, you know, people can volunteer to help build the trail, like actually go out there and, you know, with shovels and pickaxes actually help build sections of the trail? Absolutely. <laughs> so one thing we've been doing for the past uh, five years is running an international volunteer program which funnily enough is how I first came to the TCT. So I can 10,000% vouch for it being an amazing you know, experience that might just totally derail your life and change your entire career path. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we run volunteer programs. This summer, we're hosting volunteers in Northern Georgia in my very favorite region of Racha, which is, again, you've got these amazing high mountain views, these beautiful you know, lush forests, tons of rhododendrons. And we're gonna be working on a really spectacular section there this summer that we're trying very hard to get in better condition and open up to hikers. So what that looks like is, you know, you arrive in Georgia, you join a volunteer crew, work for about 10 days. You know, you're with people from all over the world uh, and there's no trail building experience necessary. Like we'll teach you everything you need to know as long as you're prepared to, you know, work hard and put in some sweat and have a good time. But yeah, you learn everything from 
how to trim back vegetation, how wide to make a trail, how to you know dig out the dirt to make a good slope to walk on. There's a lot of moving dirt. <laughs> how to slope the trail very nicely so that water runs off of it. Uh, how to dig little drainage systems so that you know the rains don't destroy your trail. And then here's my favorite part of all of this. At the end of all of that, you try to remove any evidence that you were ever there so that eventually someone will just come and walk this beautiful forest path and never think about you at all and have no idea how much work went into it. It, I swear to God, it is the best exercise for the ego you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Putting in so much sweat and labor for your work to be absolutely invisible. It's amazing. I know there's lots of trail building programs here in Canada. And we, when I walk on the trail, I, I rarely think, unless it's an obviously, you know, designed trail where you can see they've, you know, they built up a slope or something. But you're right, you never really think of how much work did it take to carve this trail out of the forest or out of, you know, mountain paths. It must be super rewarding to, uh, to, to do that. It really is. And the fun thing is that if you're a hiker and you love going into the mountains and having these kinds of experiences where you feel you know, connected to the environment and you feel this kind of wonderful sense of smallness. Working on a trail crew will change the way you hike forever because you will never be able to unsee the level of care and attention that went into creating these spaces. It's been very cool for me as I've grown in this line of work to then go and hike other places and, for example, stop to admire a viewpoint and just have this moment of, oh, someone built this for me. Someone wanted me to see this view. Look at all the work they did for me. <laughs> and it's just very cool. You know, you, you kind of feel connected to all the people too who've walked this path before you and all the experiences they've had and what made it special for them. That sounds so cool. I noticed you guys also have some group treks this year. And so I know, you know, some people, people might have heard and, and heard you talk about how there's nobody on the trail and been super excited. Other people might have been like, oh, I'm not going to go if I have to be by myself. How do the group treks work? Group treks are led by members of our team, and we run them every year on sections of the trail that we've worked on, where we've not only worked on improving the trail, but we've also built up relationships with communities over the years. And these are really, I mean, they're so much fun for us. They're a great way for us to raise funds for trail development, but they're also just a blast because we get to share the stories of what went into this. It's really fun, you know, we have people join us from all over the world, all kinds of life experiences, and they always tend to be really fabulous, interesting people too. So they're great groups. And what we typically do is hike anywhere between 10 to 20 kilometers a day, stay at guest houses, you know, try to really like show people everything that makes the region so special. And that's everything from the food, which is, you know, voluptuous and delicious to some of the best paths that we've been able to work on and some of the folks we've met along the way. So we've been doing those for a few years now and we've done them every year in Svaneti, the region that I just told you about with you know pretty well-developed infrastructure because that is just, it's so classic and we have such strong community relationships there at this point that it's actually a highlight of the year to get to take people to these specific guest houses and talk with these folks and introduce people to them. As well as trying to, and we're doing this in Armenia this year, uh, 
like really taking sections of the trail that are brand new or not even published yet and taking people on them for the first time as a way to kind of get feedback on the trail and to put this area on people's radars since it's something new and exciting, but not necessarily what comes up in, you know, your top Google searches of, you know, top five places to hike in Armenia. So they're really, yeah, special places that, you know, we've worked in over the years and it's a lot of fun to share them. I think it's really cool that, you know, these are almost like an insider's guide to the best places to go that, you know, there's so much over tourism and, and you see it all over the world where something gets really popular on Instagram and all of a sudden you have thousands of people there and, you know, kind of loses that special aspect. So, you know, taking taking people to the places you guys love and think are really special, I think is something really unique that you you probably can't get elsewhere if you get an insider's guide to the best parts of, you know, this massive trail system, uh, that sounds really appealing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's one of the goals. Watching the way Instagram is changing travel is so fascinating. You know, it is really our friends in some cases when it comes to spreading the word about something like this. Like if you go and hike the TCT, please post photos of it. Please share. <laughs> please tag us on Instagram. Like that's great. That, you know, is actually helping us gain momentum and spread the word because we want more foot traffic. That's what creates a trail. But also seeing just like the flooding of particular areas and how crowds follow, you know, very specific locations. It's a mixed bag for sure. And that's part of the reason that we really hope people will use the long trail and spread out. Definitely. Now, the last thing I want to ask you is, I've never heard of this, but you're inviting people to be the first cohort trekking uh, the TCT through Armenia and Georgia. Can you tell us more, you know, what you're looking for and uh, what does this entail? Yeah, so basically the idea for this came from the fact that we've now mapped out a complete 1800 kilometer route across Armenia and Georgia, but it's still in a pretty early stage of development. You know, there's some parts that are really nice trails and other parts that I mentioned that are still totally off trail, some that's nice open terrain and some that's a bushwhack. But over the years, we've kept getting messages from people who are like, hey, I really want to come hike this thing. I don't care if it's not ready. That's my, like, that's exactly what I want. But we've been kind of nervous because we don't want people to go out there and have a bad experience, right? We want to be very, very clear about what level of infrastructure actually exists on the ground and prepare people for that because it is not, you know, a nicely groomed trail the whole way by any stretch of the imagination yet give us like five ten years what we decided to do is like really invite people to participate in this experience as it is um, and to really be a part of the story of the trails development uh, to experience it at this early stage you know to see some of these villages that you know maybe in five years like will have developed much more tourism but right now you know are just normal agricultural villages where you know people have their shepherd dogs and you know, tend their flocks. Hopefully also to get people's feedback on the route as it evolves. And, you know, the process of creating a long distance trail is always evolving. Um, even the most established trails continue to make improvements and reroutes. And so we expect we will be doing that forever. So getting feedback from people on like, hey, this section was amazing, this section, eh, not so much, is actually very helpful for us um, as we continue to make it a better experience. Who we're looking for at the moment are you know, experienced hikers who are comfortable navigating off trail, 
who really want an experience that is off the beaten track in a very little way, because again, there's no track sometimes, and who are excited <laughs> by the idea of you know, being one of the first people to attempt this, because they will actually be the first people who are hiking the entire route of Armenia and Georgia at once. Uh, Tom and I have done the whole Armenia section. I've been on most of the parts of the Georgian section, but no one in its current form has connected the two. So that's really exciting. We hope other people are excited about it too. I think we'll learn a lot from each other. And what we've done is created kind of a cohort around this. So we've got an online discussion forum uh, where people apply to join. You know, I kind of do a basic vetting of like, are you sure about this? <laughs> You know, we're having online uh, discussion meetings where people ask questions and we answer, you know, trying to like really amass the resources and whatever information we have to support these people. You know, we really want them to have the best experience possible. So that's the kind of like support that we're providing on our end. And we hope, I mean, it's been really cool seeing it grow into an actual community too, of hikers talking with each other about their plans and We've learned so much from them about the kinds of information that people want in order to prepare. Since we all live here, you know, we sometimes forget what it's like to have to ask all these questions if you're coming from overseas uh, and traveling to the Caucasus for the first time. So that's been really great. And hopefully, you know, we're gonna have, at the moment we've got about 50 people who are planning on attempting it in some form. Some of them the whole route, some of them you know, one, one country section or another. And hopefully they will all have a safe, amazing, not too thorny time out there. <laughs> I mean, if anyone else listening is interested, uh, you know, there's a very short interest form you can fill out on our website. Do that, we'll be in touch. All of the Zoom sessions that we've had with Q&A, we've been recording. So all of that info, you know, will be there for people to access at a later stage. It sounds so cool to, you know, for people who are thinking of this to be able to say, hey, I was the first one that did this. What I think though is it's gonna be really interesting because this will be a really authentic experience. You know, as you get onto these more established trails, they've built up and you kind of lose that, you know, authentic kind of exploratory feeling. And it feels like the next five or 10 years are going to be a really special time to kind of be one of the pioneers that can go and experience this before it gets popular. Because, it, it you know, hearing you talk and seeing the photos, this will eventually become a really popular trail because it is just so beautiful, so unique, you know, bringing in different cultures, different, you know, different microclimates. Uh, it just seems seems really incredible. Uh, what I think has been really cool is I don't know if you listeners can hear it in your voice. But Megan, like she starts smiling every time she starts talking about different sections. And uh, it's obviously there's a lot of passion you have uh, for this trail and for the communities you're visiting. Uh, and that comes through a lot. And, you know, I think, again, if, if anyone were just go on the website, uh, transcaucasiantrail.org and just look at the photos, it is really, you know, stunningly beautiful. It's like, you know, high alpine scenery, you know, beautiful lakes and then incredible history. Uh, so I want to say thanks, Megan, for being on the podcast. Uh, it's just been a great information session. Actually, it's making me want to go and go to Georgia for a trekking holiday or go, you know, go to uh, Armenia. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Richard, and would love to see you here. And yeah, looking forward to posting more hikers in the future. It really is. We're just so excited to share more of this region with the world. So thanks again. And if you want to know more about the TCTA or the Transcaucasian Trail, uh, you can check out Transcaucasian 
trail.org. Uh, you'll find also links on there to the 2022 group tracks, uh, how to volunteer, how to be one of this first group of through hikers. We'll put the links in the show notes. And with that, thanks for listening to another episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear about more epic adventures. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. If you liked it, why not give us a review? Better yet, subscribe and get inspired again and again. Also, if you want to find your own adventures, why not check out 10adventures.com where you can use our free resources to plan your own trip or book a tour in over 60 countries and make your own epic memories on your next adventure.